back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Um, I am, uh, I'm really happy to have uh, Chuck Adams with me today. Chuck's uh, company is Coeptis, and he's on the buy side of mergers and acquisitions for consulting for aviation aerospace. Um, he's doing a lot of work out there, and thanks for coming on, Chuck. It's an absolute pleasure to be on, Craig. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so what's happening out in Boise? Boise? Oh, man. It's hot and dry, like anything in a high desert in the Rocky Mountains, but uh, but it's good. I'm actually outside right now because it's really nice, which is a, a good change. So, there you go. well, I thought Boise, I thought Boise this time of year was like the place to be. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of it depends what you mean by the the place to be for this time of year. But uh, no, it gets it does get blistering hot. You know, I spent summers in college working out in the sun and everything, and the other day it was 105, and Ooh. you know, so it's. Yeah, I mean it's no Phoenix or anything, right? But it gets very hot and very dry, including. But, but, in it's, a, but it's a dry. But it's a dry heat. <laughs> but so. it's a dry heat. I I remember in Arizona, you know that shirt, right? You know it's a it's a but it's a dry heat. Yeah, but this morning actually it's pretty humid, so it's going to get pretty hot and humid today. So, so. cool. Well, let, let look. Let's change the focus. Uh, when you and I met last in person, you were out working with a major investment bank or a you know, private equity group, and you were helping them with some. Uh, some uh, some acquisition targets. What's going on in the M&A world? What are you seeing on the buy side of M&A right now in aerospace it's, and defense? Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I, there are a lot of people that are eager, obviously, to uh, find some good deals. You know, we've definitely seen that. And actually, about 20, 30 minutes ago, I got off the phone with another private equity fund, you know, that's doing the same thing. They're, they're poised to really want to dig into, you know, the technical stuff like aerospace and defense. Um, We've seen some deals go out there, right? Whether it's PE or strategic investors, but uh, there's also a little bit of a kind of a neutrality. It's not like it's taking off like, you know, a bat out of hell, but at the same time, it's not super slow either. It's kind of just, mm, that's what I've seen at least on my end. But uh, but hopefully, yeah, people are kind of, I think with the way the economy is, right, Craig, the people are kind of going, well, do we want to buy? Is there going to be a big recession? We don't know. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there, but there's still some, good solid deals going on for those who are waiting. So let's just talk, let's back up a little bit. Sure. Talk about your, talk about your typical, your typical client. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So a little bit about us, you know, we, when we started, you know, there is three big areas that we focus on, which we obviously do, you know, enterprise performance, ops excellence. And right now, even I have a, a design for excellence uh, consulting gig I'm doing right now, you know, helping a top five defense contractor do that. We also have worked with technology, but more importantly, where we've really grown is kind of the PE side a little bit. And so where we've really started to play, we've noticed a big need is, you know, private equity firms, you know, they want to go participate in what we call our these industrial markets and transportation, right? So, you know, we obviously have cut our teeth in aerospace and defense. We've done rail, you know, a little bit of automotive, RB, you know, kind of those big mm -hmm. complex products that move people. And a lot of times people want to get in on it. And there's some really good uh, companies out there in these spaces, but uh, finding that or navigating that can be a little tricky, right? Uh, especially aerospace. I mean, as you know, right? You know, aerospace is mm -hmm. just big behemoth. Where do you start, right? You know, that so many different companies on manufacturing and MRO that serve it. And so where we've really cut our teeth in that space is really helping find a lot of those deals and help them, you know, kind of even before IOI and really digging in and looking at some potential deals of, well, where do you want to go and what kind of deals are you looking for? And so that's where we've really cut our teeth. So 
Yeah. I mean, you were taking a very, you know, what I was impressed with when we met was you were taking a very methodical approach to it. You were looking at, okay, who's got certifications for certain, man, you know, certain manufacturers or who's got certifications for certain parts. Mm-hmm. And then you had really knocked it down to a lot of different, you know, to a lot of really small envelopes as to, yeah, here are companies that are doing this. Here are buyers that would probably have some interest in this. And here's, you know, yeah, here's how to attack the market. Um, is that is that the you know is that what yeah you know, talk about yeah. talk about your your process a little bit? Yeah, yeah, and 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 I know we had talked about this a little previously. One of the things because this is like we looked at is because this is such a big market, right? There's so many little niches and so many different uh, you know ways to cut it, right? Details, flavors. And one of the things we noticed as we were working with clients is like, sometimes you're not looking for just, oh, give me an MRO company, right? It's no, 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 no. I need somebody with this license that does accessories on, I don't know, 737s, right? Or some, maybe it's military. Mm-hmm. I need somebody that's certified and has a good contract that does F-15 landing gears. I'm just making something up there. But uh, being able to cut into that and find those nitpicky details of these companies has been really important we've noticed and so what we've done and with our approach is really to not only look at the firm and just say okay here's their website or whatnot and oh they have this you know this this faa repair station licenses but okay well what 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 are they actually doing right you know Mm -hmm. are they are they repairing parts on this? Oh, okay. Well, they do accessories here, but do they do it on this other frame? We really try to dig into the nit and gritty, and we kind of have a standard process when we're looking at a firm. That's obviously always getting better. We're very, you know, lean oriented, right? We always want to get better quality, right? But, uh, but yeah, digging into those finer points that people sometimes maybe miss or it's not apparent, and I wouldn't say too much detail, but enough to really get a feeling of where they're really playing. So we yeah. dig into those details and we actually have that proprietary database we've been building because we want to keep track of all of it. So, yeah. So you're talking about, you're talking about a little bit about, you know, deals people are sitting on, you know, a little bit of a holding pattern right now. Some stuff's happening. Um, obviously, the economic environment moving forward is foggy. Are people just mm-hmm. sitting on the sidelines thinking, hey, maybe I can get a better deal in a year? Or are they just looking at the overall outlook of the industry and thinking, you know, maybe now's not the right time? In my my experience, right, uh, everybody has a different one. I think a lot of them, there's really two two people, right? I don't find that I the first one being very pessimistic about the market overall. With the way that traveling, I mean, look at the shortages, right, of, of, of planes and people trying to get seats and travel, right, and increasing prices. I don't think too many people are being very, super pessimistic about the market, right? You know, there's been inflation and things like that. And I, and I think people will continue to travel even if there's some kind of recession, which I won't, you know, get into what's going on there. But on the other end, I think with that in mind, I think it's the second side of it where, okay, well, if we're going to play here, are there, you know, they're, they're kind of looking what's happening out in the next six months to a year when it comes to contracts and what is the DOD going to do? And, you know, I think that's what they're, they're really looking for is just finding that right deal where you get that long-term agreement or, you know, kind of the fear of missing out, we call it, you know, typical Mm -hmm. millennial like me, right. You know, FOMO. And 
I think that's a little bit more of what I find is just like, ah, well, what if something better comes along? But at the same time too, though, they're the third categories. People are obviously like, give me all the teasers and give me everything that you can find. Right. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't say though, to summarize that people are too bearish. I just find that people are just like, ah, well, there's More a lot cautious. of good deals out there. Go find them. Yeah, they're just cautious. They just want to find the right deal, which totally makes sense, right? That's any any time you do any kind of acquisition. So yeah. a year or two ago, multiples were going crazy. Sellers were really, you know, in love with uh yeah. they were in love with their companies. Um, they were throwing some gum on the wall. Yeah, mm -hmm. people were chasing it at big multiples. You know, have we seen a compression of those multiples now? I think it was, I think it's kind of a dip and now we're coming out a little bit is what I've seen. And obviously, you know, I'll defer to the investment bankers, you know, like Bill Alderman comes on good, good group of folks over there, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, there was a lot of frenzy, I think back in, you know, the 2018, 19 timeframe. Right. And then COVID hit and things didn't look so good. Right. With nobody flying and, uh, EBITDA multiples at that time definitely started compressing. And I think the report was around between five and 10 was kind of where we were at, right, during COVID. But now things are slowly coming out. You know, I'm hearing of, you know, 10 to 15 again, kind of up in that range, but obviously it depends on the company and the size, et cetera. But mm -hmm. uh, so I think they're starting to go up again now that things are starting to turn a little bit. But again, it's kind of like, well, let's see. Some owners might hold back and go, well, let's see how high it'll go, right? <laughs> so, but I feel like owners are feeling a, like owner operators, you know, of these small companies are feeling a little bit better about selling now, but some are still cautious. We'll see. So, so who's a, who's selling right now? Talk about the average, you know, what's, what's, what's a seller look like in today's market? Sure. Beyond just the typical, you know, PE needs to get out of a deal because they, you know, they got LPs to pay back and investors. You know, what we're noticing, and this isn't just aerospace and defense, you know, I'm I'm noticing across many industries, right? You know, we had talked about this before, you know, there's a lot of uh, baby boomers and stuff, a lot of these owner operator businesses out there, right? That, mm -hmm. you know, they're hitting their retirement years and they, they want to get out of these, these companies or get some equity out, right? And be rewarded for their hard work. And so more and more as we've been searching around, we're finding a lot of those companies that fit that profile where... You have these, you know, 50, 60, you know, usually around early to mid 60s, they're about ready to think about like, well, you know, I'm ready to retire or maybe they want to get some of that equity out and stay on for a couple more years. Right. And so we've seen a lot of that, especially in something like aerospace, because aerospace kind of has that profile, right, where you have a lot of uh, a lot of those that are looking to retire, those baby boomers. Right. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of those businesses out there dotted all over the place, not just, you know, in one spot or one industry. I mean, we're finding owner and operators and all sorts of little niches in MRO and manufacturing just all over the place, especially MRO. You see it a lot. So, so. from an from an MRO standpoint, these component MROs that are, you know, they're selling, maybe they've got some LTAs into, you know, they've got some LTAs into the airlines or some of the OEMs, you know, um, you know, what are they, five, $10 million? Are they five, $10 million, you know, million dollar companies more or less um, yeah that, two, two three million you know you know two three million in EBITDA yeah yeah yeah. I would definitely say that um most of these companies that we've been screening and kind of looking at look appear to be about that size they're usually around the five million mark um you'll see some up upwards of 10 million but a lot of these companies are 
breaking a million in revenue, you know, some of them are on five, but you're not, you know, and if you see anything past 10 and you have an owner and operator, that's, you see it, but it's rare. You know what I mean? It's uncommon, right? You're not going to see that often, but yeah, I would say between one and 10, when we've been searching, we find a lot of uh, diamonds out there, right? Just these owners and operators, they got these, uh, most of them, I would say probably 40 or 50% of them are these, these small military MROs, right? They're just, they got these LTAs or this little niche, right? That they do that, right? Or, you know, especially on legacy aircraft, like the C-130s and the F-16s mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, beyond what the U.S. is flying, you know, a lot of uh, foreign countries are flying these. And so there's obviously that big need out there for the next couple decades of those aircraft. And so we find owner and operators that are picking, you know what I mean, picking and choosing and specializing kind of an MRO of these little niche areas of those kind of aircraft. And when, when I was yeah. flying, when I was flying E2s back in the, in the early nineties, we, mm-hmm. we, we learned that there was one supplier of, you know, one radar box. If it burned out, it was a million bucks to fix it Yeah, because there was one supplier who knew how to fix the box. Yeah. It was kind of a legacy system at that time. So they're not going to go find additional suppliers, but it was really amazing how, how these, you know, these, these people start, you know, it's almost garage type businesses. Yeah. You know, especially in the DOD and obviously Transdime's been out there going crazy, you know, picking up a lot of these guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I know Standard Aero had picked up uh, somebody back in May. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a, a lot of the strategic investors have been moving forward too. Well, they just, so. yeah. So standard air just picked, well, they picked up jet parts engineering down. I think in that's what Florida, it was. Yeah. And then they picked up another company, uh, EB, EB, EB airfoils. EB airfoils. Yeah. I think they, uh-huh. they said that they were going to consummate a deal on that, which as I joked with you, not too long ago, I, I wasn't surprised, you know, with, with kind of the things that mm-hmm. EB airfoils works on. So. No but that's there. yeah, that's been standard. <laughs> you know, standard arrow has been going after a lot of. They picked up uh, one of my clients over and former clients over in Ireland. You know, on a turbine yep. repair, and so they, you know, hey, look, we're gonna go, we're gonna go crazy on turbine repairs. You know, and and you know, I guess compete against the OEMs or certainly partner with them. Yeah, um, ex- exactly. And, and I'm not surprised, right? Because even with the PE firms that we've been work, you know, working with too, it's, you know, it's like, hey. You know, there's, of course, you know, people say, oh, we'll do and see if M56 engine overhaul. And, you know, you got those, you know, players right out there in the MRO. I mean, the problem with that is sometimes it's very saturated, right? But what about those industries or these areas in uh, MRO that are not as well picked, right? That are very fragmented, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of areas out there and look at standard arrow. I kind of see what they've been doing, looking at, uh, a lot of the turbine stuff, but a lot of the smallers, right? You know, the turboprops or the, the small military, right? I think they have a facility in San Antonio that works on that a lot. And uh, it makes sense what they're doing with who they've been acquiring. A lot of those small engines, that's a lot more fragmented out there versus, uh, you know, a G90, right? I mean, there's very few people that can handle an auto, you know, make an auto. Well, you know, find big, a test you know? cell, <laughs> go, 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 man, go build a test cell for a GE90, right? And that's, uh, yeah, good luck uh, with that. CFM, <laughs> you know, good luck with, uh, good luck with that investment. Exactly. Um, so. so, how is this changing, you know, so how's this changing from you, what you're seeing? You know, how are we changing the dynamic of the industry? Um, you know, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more fragmented, a lot of small shops, they were all kind of competing for, 
airline OEM, DOD business. You used to hear about GE doing their ballroom bidding processes where they just brought everybody into a ballroom. Yeah, hoteling, they call yeah. it now. Yeah, before I left. Yeah. You give us your lowest, you know, give us your best price and move on. Yeah. And we'll call you next Tuesday. Um, yeah. How's the industry changing? That's a good question. You know, it like I said, I think the awareness of it's very, it's very interesting from from what I've seen in my limited opinion, because on one end, like in the US, there is a lot of pickup happening. You know, like I said, we talked about standard arrow, right? Where people are identifying those fragmented markets. And we've seen this too, obviously, in the work that we've been doing. Mm -hmm. You know, as you research companies, you kind of go, oh, well, this sector is kind of, you know, or this part of the plane is really fragmented in MRO, right? And so we're starting to see a lot of those fragments, but people are kind of obviously at the same time seeing, ah, I see this sector, you know, whether it's a flight controls or air conditioning or whatever on the aircraft, right? And saying, hey, there's really not a big player that plays in that space and it's a big area. Let's go put together something. So we're seeing a lot of that, you know, coming and changing over the next few years for sure. But at the same time, when we look outside the United States, I was talking with some 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 good friends of mine. I think what's really interesting is what's happening outside the United States, especially in emerging markets, you know, like things like India and Southeast Asia, right? Mm -hmm. Despite with what's happening in COVID, you know, there's just this huge explosion, right, of population in the middle class. I mean, China mm -hmm. is a good example over the last 10 years, right? And so lots and lots of people are flying in order to supply those parts and also service them via MRO. A lot of small shops are starting to to show up there and you got people like india that are starting to roll back a lot of their regulations and trying to make it more competitive mm -hmm. so you're going to see a lot of new entrants i think over the next 10 years in those emerging markets as well and like i said i talked to them and they're like oh man i they make this leap part for for people you know when they assemble it cfm assembles it in france right because europe i feel like is a little more hands-off right when it comes to sourcing they then you know, okay i'll go to india right and you find some really good companies that are making uh, parts, for example, in manufacturing for some really, really good, uh, you know, top of the line engine, you know, the CFMs and stuff. And people just mm -hmm. don't even know they exist. And so give it time. I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. And I don't think the world is a zero sum game. I think there's a piece for everybody. Right. So, so what are you yeah. saying? Some more man. Yeah. You're going to see some more unique manufacturing starting up in India, some more unique manufacturing starting up in Delhi. I'm not in Delhi in, uh, in China. Um, yeah, I mean, well, China is a little bit more mature, right? But China, obviously, you know, we won't go too deep into that. Has kind of an agenda, right? With the yeah, communist I mean, that, party. That and becomes, stuff, that, becomes, you know? that becomes a question now is the tech yeah. transfer and stuff like that. But yeah, but there are people like the Indias and Malaysia. I know is growing in MRO sector. You know, you're going to have this over time, you know, this middle class just exploding in these areas, right, especially and starting to really fly a lot more. I mean, we're already starting to see it. And so not only just manufacturing, which is kind of a diamond in the rough thing, because a lot of because manufacturing isn't it's not tracked the same way, right, as MRO, you know, mm -hmm. MRO, you got your licenses, you know, you got to get a you know, your A&Ps, even if it's a, you know, U.S. worker, there, there's still there is there's a paper trail, right? With manufacturing, it's a little more OEM controlled, right? And so as long as the OEM, right, is certifying these people, they're like, okay, you know, you yeah. can go get AS9100, right? But are you okay. going to see, are we going to see some OEM licensing, more licensing agreements uh, globally? Do you think? I, we've already started to see it. I, I would think so, right? 
you know, because because think about obviously the OEMs have started thinking ahead about this. You know, when when CFM started selling the Leap, right? You're starting to see a lot of, uh, for example, you know, a lot of uh, licensing agreements and maintenance agreements, you know, mm-hmm. out of China and out of Southeast Asia, right? Because sure, they're selling all these Leaps and stuff throughout uh, the Southeast too, but somebody's got to service them. And instead of trying to build your own facilities, right, you know, that we, mm-hmm. we know how capital intensive it is going to be, well, just uh, come up with a partner, right? And we've seen mm-hmm. that on Leap quite a bit. And and I think you'll see it, too, on a lot of the wide body engines. That's a little bit trickier. But, uh, you know, wide body engines like the G90, the problem with those is they're just so massive. And so if you can get the facilities right. to be able to do them right and you have something that big, you know, they're going to want to talk to you, right? Same thing with Pratt or whoever has those large engines all over the place. So, because they're expensive to, to ship. I mean, look yep. at logistics, right? It's insane. So, so here it goes back to your buyer. Let me go back to the buyer question. So let's, let's talk about something different. So is sure. it, is it a lot of the big OEMs now looking to buy these little suppliers and bring some of that stuff in house, or is it all going to be private equity, Carlisle, AE Industrial Partners, AEA Capital, you know, New State Capital, a lot of these smaller guys out there, you know, just looking to own the industry for as long as they possibly can. Um, or is there is there a whole new category of standard arrow and transdime on the rise? Yeah, that's a very good question. Honestly, if we look at, I mean, let, if we take a look at the OEMs, for example, right? I mean, the truth is, is they got so much capital tied up just in manufacturing, let alone MRO. Mm-hmm. I mean, the engine, you know, for example, engines, and I obviously you could tell that's where I cut my teeth. I was at AVA, G Aviation for a while. You know, a lot of them, you know, they got a lot of capital they got to deal with. And the Boeings and the Airbuses, et cetera, if they try to go after these small players, it's going to be really, really difficult to do that. I think they know that, right? Mm-hmm. You've seen Lockheed do the same with the hologram program is a good example where, you know, you got you, you got these legacy parts, right? And sure, they could service them, you know, on these C-130s and whatnot, but they kind of pulled back and said, you know what? I don't want to deal with the supply chain on this anymore. Let me license it out to very specific small shops, right? Remember going mm-hmm. back to that niche part mm-hmm. and let's let them take care of it and be competitive in that. So if I had to kind of make a guess or, and you know, kind of where I'm thinking it's going, I think it's going to be the latter. There's going to be a lot of these uh, markets that OEMs really don't want to try to go buy up because A, they don't have the capital or they want to stay true to what they're really good at. But then you got the standard arrows and strategic investors and private equity. They're going to see a lot of opportunity, I think, mm-hmm. in, the, in the coming coming decades to snatch up and service areas that the OEMs just really are not equipped to do or don't want to do, yep. I think. So, yeah. Now, the one thing, yeah, the one the one downside of that, and this is if you're a supplier, you know, no offense, Honeywell, but everybody hates you. Um, because your licensing fees are, you know, it's, it's hard to make money after they pay the licensing fees. It's hard to make money. And then, you know, Boeing has obviously been out there going, well, Hey, that's, you know, yeah, you designed and engineered that part for our airplane. So we want a cut of every dollar on the aftermarket too. And that's been causing some friction Mm -hmm. as well. Um, so obviously there's some sort of frenemy relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, what are you seeing on the on the M and A on the buy side of that? Uh, you know, is that going to ease up, or is that going to get more tenuous, or is it going to just stay the same forever? And kind of like you know Tom and Jerry, we're gonna you know cat and mouse game. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, putting my engineering cap on, right, you know, being a recovering engineer, as I say, uh, you know, in the lead programs and stuff. I think it really depends on where in the industry you're playing, right? Because, you know, if you think about like an aluminum bracket, right, you know, PMAing that, right, or your DRing around that is a little bit more easy, right, than trying to go remember Pratt when they try to make rotating discs and stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> that didn't end very well with them, right? It's a little bit more of a technical skill set. But uh, at the same time, though, it's a very good question. What I've seen, at least as of recent, is most people like the proprietary relationships. So not necessarily on parts. That's a good question on parts. We've, we haven't dug into that too much. But on the MRO side, a lot of private equity buyers, and it's more than one, I've talked to a couple, they really do like those proprietary deals, right? Because it's mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm associated with a Boeing or an Airbus or a GE or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. And so because of that and the way that a lot of the warranties, you know, and the contracts are written, that's usually a good thing for whoever has that. It's on the receiving end of that. People do look for those OEM certified type of relationships quite a bit. But on the other hand, you know, I feel like the OEMs can only, especially on the new make parts, you know, the spares, I think they're only going to push for so long, right? Before people say, ah, screw it, right? And they're up in the air and it'll mm -hmm. shake itself out one way or another in the long run. Look more for PMA. So, we'll start developing PMA. We'll get the yeah, leasing, we'll get the yeah. leasing companies happy with PMA and our engines, right? And, yeah. Uh, somehow, it, or another, somehow or another that conversation will change. Yeah. And we've seen that pushback too. When I was, when I was doing CFM and stuff, oh, there's a B, sorry. One bad thing about outside. Uh, what I what was really interesting is during that time, you know, this was oh geez, eight eight years ago, seven years ago, there was that that big controversy around. Well, if I have a CFM engine, and this is probably you know, it's something that rolls, and everybody else was paying attention to. If I'm putting PMA parts in there, what happens with the warranty, right? Or right. what happens the value with, of the engine? Yeah, 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 exactly. And so there was. They did come to an agreement where they based, you know, I won't go into that too much where, but it definitely, the OEMs with that relationship had to take a step back and go, okay, well, I can't push too hard against non-PMA, right? Because if I do, it's going to create a lot of issues. And especially that's true in overseas countries, right? Because, you know, if you're just only flying in China, right? Do you think China gives a hoot about, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? No PMA there's not, there, there's not an IP yeah. agreement out there that China. No, has no, 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 yeah, no. Let's no. just call uh you know, let's just call it there. But I won't get into my. I won't. I won't even start. But um, yeah, you know, <laughs> China, you know what you're getting into. Um, yeah. Let's change the subject. So what are so so sellers are out there? They're starting to think about it. One of my clients just you know just sold. Um, I I hope he's happy. I think he's happy. Uh, he should be happy. Um, mm -hmm. what do sellers need to be thinking about right now? And what do buyers need to be thinking about when they're, when they're approaching the deal? I know a lot of sellers are out there thinking, well, I want the strategic partner. who's going to take my business to the next level and obviously got earnouts or, you know, walk away clauses, you know, and then you got buyers out there. What are they thinking? Do they, you know, are they, you know, do they want the, the, the founder of the company to stick around a while? Do they want them, her, him or her to, you know, just make a quick exit, beat feet. You know, what's what's going on in the mindset of buyers and sellers? Yeah. I mean, on the selling side, I mean, again, I mean, that's this is obviously timeless advice. And the investment bankers, I mean, they'll tell you the same thing, right? 
well, first, you know, I would say, what do you really want? Right. Like you said, do you really want to stick around and, you know, help a good smooth transition over the next few years? Or are you just kind of like, I'm done and walk away. Right. What's that mm-hmm. succession plan going to look like? Right. And that's the first thing. And then the other thing is, is, you know, really take a good look and a hard look at yourself objectively. Well, obviously I'm preaching to the choir about any business owner, right? I mean, I have two myself, but really look in the mirror and say, what do I really have when it comes to sales and when it comes to diversification of customers? And because I can tell you right now, a lot of the buyers, I mean, timeless advice, right? Are looking at that very specifically of what, you know, what do you actually already have? Are you like a one-stop shop for just one customer and then they yank the contract and then that's it, right? Which for mm-hmm. a lot of these owner operators that happens sometimes we've seen all they do is one thing and i'm like Ugh, risky right yep. and more importantly the third thing is is growth okay well be thinking about where are you really going i mean we've consulted on this too in the past and not for people necessarily selling a company but you have this ip or you have this area that you're looking at what's next, right? Like, what are you noticing and where do you think you can really grow and see what that five to 10 year vision is going to be? Because you know, for a fact, right, that the buy side is going to be asking that same exact question, right? Mm -hmm. Which then leads to the buy side. You know, the first thing I say is, I think of the notebook, the scene where he says, what do you want, right? You know, I, I say that very, very clearly, like, okay, what do you really want? And when we go through our, uh, you know, our engagements, you know, usually they're a few weeks at a time. Sometimes they're a month or two. Mm-hmm. And it's a very iterative process because when you're searching for something, it isn't like nice and clean, like a nice waterfall project. It's, it's very dirty. It's, you're going to get new bits of information and new things come your way daily, mm-hmm. right? And so as you're going through all that, really reevaluate like what do you really want what really do you want in your investment and what are you really looking for and the second thing i would recommend to and again timeless advice but i these are these companies are these owners babies especially right mm-hmm. and i was joking with somebody the other day i said you know think about consulting and and all this this private equity stuff is we got to keep remembering we are in a people business whether we like it or not yeah. and you're dealing with humans here that have put their blood, sweat, and tears into these businesses, right? Yeah. And so obviously you got to be very open and honest with them about what you're looking for, but at the same time, really hear them out and what they have to say. Cause you know, they're even if they're getting a big paycheck out of it in the end, you know, a big walk away exit, that's their baby. They grew yeah. it from nothing. I mean, I've talked to a couple people like, oh yeah, I started this in my garage 20 years ago, right? These right, A&Ps. absolutely, yeah, man. Yeah, it, sometimes these, like I like I was talking with a colleague, right? You're, I also heard from a, our, our colleague, Rob, you know, he made it very clear, like, I don't want to be this Ivy League, you know, private equity suit guy that walks in and be like, here, let me throw a whole bunch of money at you and now get out, right? Yeah. No, no, right? A lot of these are owner operators, especially in aerospace and defense that, this is their baby. So remember yeah. that when you're talking with them and trying to cut them a deal. And right. I yeah, know no, I just, sense, but... I just helped, uh, you know, private, you know, I just placed the, uh, the CEO of a private equity company and they were, you know, they were in the diligence process when they approached me and placed the CEO and the CFO. And it became a very personal, you really understand it's a very personal transaction between mm-hmm. them. And you know, eventually, you know, uh, yeah, obviously the numbers got to make sense. But as I tell people in any, you know, it's it's like you know, nobody wants to hear their baby's ugly. 
you know, and that's, you know, and that's, yeah, that's ultimately yeah. what it comes down to is, you know, in business, you know, I tell you know, clients and, and, you know, all the time, you know, nobody wants to hear their baby's ugly, you know, or, <laughs> and, or, or worse yet, or worse yet. I love it when executives go to companies, you know, they're being approached by a company to go, you know, turn around a division or something like that. And they're like, well, yeah, I'm going to tell them, you know, this is wrong or that's wrong. And you're like, you know, time out, man, you know, be a little bit, you know, be cautious, be cautious yeah. in that approach. Yeah. It's on our, in our other consulting projects too. I think about that, you know, I've had a, even just recently, a couple of days ago, I was given a, you know, he's this big head of engineering and I was just kind of like prodding him like, Hey, listen, we have a good relationship, right? But here we have production over here just complaining, right? They, they're not getting enough engineering engagement. You're the colonel. You know what to do, right? And that tough love, but that polite love, right? And and nobody likes, like you said, yep. nobody likes having their their uh, baby called ugly, right? right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but as a seller, right? And even as a business owner myself, I have to look in the mirror too. It's one of those, every, yeah. each side needs to be humble, right? And be like, well... My business can't be everything and there's holes, whether it's in my ops or my finances or whatever, and be okay with that. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, I got approached for my, I got approached too. I got, you know, <laughs> I got approached recently and it's like, whoa. And, and, you know, the question becomes, okay, explain it. What's in it for me. Mm -hmm. And ultimately you have to have that, you know, that dynamic, you know, you know, I know what's in it for you, but what's in it for me type of deal. So, yeah, I feel like it's Socratic, right? You got to kind of, well, what do you think about this? And kind of walk them into the solution that can be helpful with some people. But but yeah, I get it. And I think in aviation, it's a little bit different where you do have these, you know, it's less than tech where you have, you know, the tech world, you have people that build businesses, they become serial entrepreneurs. They build a business and then they flip it off pretty quickly. You know, it's software, you know, yeah. some sort of, you know, some sort of, you know, you know computer device or whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, they understand the game is going to, it's going to be very quick and they really don't have an emotional attachment to it that much. But when you come to a, a person in aviation, who's grown their business over 30 years, then there was, you know, it's, it's a different type of conversation. Yeah. Um, aviation. Uh, I have a construction company, same thing, right. Mm -hmm. Working with a lot of subcontractors. That's, that's all they've done their whole life. A lot of them, you mm -hmm. know, props off to the concrete people. I got to give them that, man. I, <laughs> you know, I always, I know that's not aviation, but man, you know, somebody's done concrete when you shake their hand and it feels like you're, you know, shaking a rock. <laughs> there's a guy, there's a guy, there's a guy three, there's a guy three doors up from me in my office. He sold his concrete yeah. company for $120 million. I'm like, I want to be your friend, but, uh, <laughs> did a good job. Gotta, it was a yeah, family owned always. business. It was, they did it was a family owned business. They did a great job growing it, but you know, it's uh, it, once again, it's all good. So, yeah, this ain't tech for sure. Agreed. No, I hear you. Hey, Chuck, how do people get a hold of you? Great conversation today. How do uh, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. So, uh, my phone's always open, uh, 253 720 9058, but also you can visit our website at www.coeptacg.com and or an email, just contact at coeptacg.com. And coeptis is spelled C-O-E-P-T-I-S. Yes, that's correct. Thanks Latin, for, uh, for Latin for, it's a Latin word for what? Like undertakings, enterprises, businesses. Yeah, I, I always say my, my business partner, she's a Latin nut. She came up with it one day and I was like, it's perfect. And so it stuck. So Great. Well, hey, yeah. thanks for coming on today. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks for, thanks for having me. My pleasure, truly. Let's do it again. Sounds good. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. 
You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.